IndependentLeft.News. Indie. Indie. What's up, Indie? Indie News Network. Indie. I get news from Independent Left. IndependentLeft.News. IndependentLeft.News. Indie Left Media. Independent Left News. Indie Left. Independent Left News. Independent Left Media. Indie Media. Indie Left. Indie. 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 Indie Left News. Indie Left. Hi, Indie. Indie Left News. Subscribe to Indie News Network. We're world building. Your, your way of assisting, I feel like, is really cool. Independentleft.news. Independentleft.news. I'm a huge fan. He created INN. The founder of uh, Independent News Network. Indy is the founder of Indy News Network. Thank you, Independentleft.news. A huge thank you and shout out to Indy Left. Everyone, check out Indy Left News. Hey, Indy Left. Independentleft.news. Indy. Indy. Hi, Indy. Indy Left. Indy Left News. Indy News. Independent Media. Independentleft News has done an amazing job. Oh, it's all working. What's up, everybody? Oh my God! Hi, it's uh, it's Sunday night. We look a little different tonight, huh? Uh, had a little fun. Uh, yes. What's mm-hmm. up, E? Uh, Eric T. Red. What's up, E? How are you? Good to see everybody. Great savvy interview with Tara. Agree. That was amazing today. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, that was a little, a little heavy, but it, it it was good. Um. <clears throat> Quite informative for anyone that hasn't been following what's been happening on Twitter or in Ukraine or in a lot of different places. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, the Jamal. Yes, we are. A little, yes. Um, Reef went a little crazy forever. Um, we, we've been listening to, <laughs> to, to, to DMX doing Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer and, and laughing and having fun with that all week so um the other day my fa- my my son actually asked me if uh i could change to to some festive holiday colors and we worked on it together and this is kind of what what we ended up with and it's great um it's cool and we're messing around it'll it'll change back probably next week well, actually not next week but mm. When we come back, and that's that's something we could talk about now, and we'll remind you later. But uh, we're going to be taking probably a couple of weeks off, uh, at least two, three, if not more than that. Um, we'll see how far the break goes out. But uh, next week is Christmas Eve, Christmas night, so we're not going to stream Christmas night, New Year's night as well, New Year's Day night. I don't think we really want to do that either, but we'll see. Uh, and then the week after that, I'm going to be away, so I'm not going to be able to stream anyway. Maybe there'll be a best of, maybe not. So yeah, Christmas news, Christmas news. That's right. Uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. Christmas. It's indie Christmas kind of horrifying. News. Yes. Um, Trumpy and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be. There's a lady in a barn. She's going to have the baby. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay. So. Welcome everybody to How Do We Miss That? <laughs> over to over to Ollie Williams. It's Jesus. <laughs> oh, Nightbot's already getting Sorry. started. Uh, all right. So, How Do We no. Miss That? That's the show that you're watching right now and listening to if you're on a podcast. It's a show and podcast streaming live on Rockfan, YouTube, Twitch, Rumble, Facebook, Twitter, Odyssey, Telegram. It's on Substack and on IndieLeft.News also. Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, available on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify. Are we allowed Google, to mention on this platform Apple. the other platforms? 
Is that what we're the, allowed to do? Well, tonight, to, well, I, I don't know. Is our dear Lord and Emperor Elonicus uh, able able to do that? We're we're, we're going to find out. Um, mm. So I'm I'm indie. You can see from the bouncing thing over here. I didn't change the colors on the spectralizer. Bad indie. Bad bad. Okay. Uh, and I got this guy sitting. Now. I'm the founder of Independent Left News, Indie Left News, Indie Media Today. That's our Substack. And we got Discord. We're on like every a Christmas bauble. We do. Uh, and then I got this guy sitting here, Mr. Mr. Comedian Guy, Mr. Snoopy, Reef Breland. Hopefully he doesn't get me DMCA for having Snoopy on his thing. And that's not that that's in the public domain. Is that possible? I, I hope not. I would think. Uh anyway, yeah, I hope like... not. But anyway, uh this guy, Reef Breland, he's INN's technical director. He is the host of INN News and the host of Reefer After Dark when it runs. Um all the stories tonight that we're gonna show show tonight were uh <laughs> Featured in independent left.news or any left.news between Sunday and Friday. And it's just impossible to keep up with the fire hose of developing news all week long. This is just a few of the stories that we thought we wanted to cover that didn't see too many people talking about, except for, of course, the Twitter files. And we're going to talk about some Twitter file stuff and Twitter files related stuff. But make sure to to share the link, like the stream, subscribe to our channels, all the platforms you watch and listen. We're everywhere, like I said. Uh, ten plays, ten platforms on two different channels. You can find us on indienews.network. All of our channels on the INN uh, on the INN um, family of channels. Ooh, a little high. Um, and then you can find us, of course, on all the Indie Left News channels on all those different platforms as well. Uh, exclusively on Rockfin. That's the only place where we're only on that one channel. But <clears throat> everywhere else, we're on both. So. You can see our, our volunteers and, and all of our contributors, patrons. Thank you so much to all of them throughout the entire year. And now Substack as well. We've turned on our Substack. So again, thank you to everyone that subscribed everywhere. Kofi, buy me a coffee. I believe that, that Lula Leftist is still sub to us over on Kofi. So we, we just appreciate all the support and love doing this. And it does cost us some money. So anything you can throw us to help us absorb some of that cost. And then put it right back into to, to subscribing to other content creators, streamers, writers, uh, premium memberships. Uh, I just subscribed to Matt Taibbi actually after the the Twitter file stuff has happened the last couple of weeks. Man, he's just been nice, pretty pretty on it. So <clears throat> shout out to that uh, Taibbi.substack.com. We'll talk about that later. Even though he's not in tonight because he was not part of Twitter files four and five, which is what we're going to cover tonight. Um. You had a pretty good week on INN News. That was that was a good stream. Yep. Uh, you and Colin killing yep. it. And you did a couple our, extra. We did an extra one. Yeah, you can, you did an extra one. You 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 guys are a little extra, so that makes sense. Um, yep. I don't know where Care Bear is tonight. I'm sure he'll be in chat soon if he's not here already. So let's get to some stories. Uh, I have a bunch of slides and a bunch of stuff to cover. So let's do it, and let's let's go to the slideshow. Boom. All right. Thumbnail. First of all, we've got <clears throat> Elon, of course. Elon's going to dominate the whole night. Um, thank you so much for <laughs> buying Twitter and deciding to change the entire news cycle and the entire narrative about news and press freedom and everything else that's happening. And that just kind of happened on a dime right after the election or right around the election time. And it's exposing a bunch of stuff, and it's pretty interesting. Tonight we're going to be flying without the uh, the green screen, so that we can actually show you the green in our in our look and feel. 
Shout out to Big Mad mm-hmm. Crab, of course, for designing the thumbnail as he does every week. It's just hilarious. I told him, he sent me it over. I said, we need to have Trump in there. After, after the NFT, and my God, the NFT, all right, he sold out. Mm-hmm. He made $4.5 million. Everybody's laughing. He's laughing all the way to the bank, Trumpy. All right? That's kick-ass, Greg. So first story tonight is going to be that Julian kind of warned us all. And I found Julian. this story. Julian. Julian. All right. I found this story over in, uh, I don't even remember, uh, LA Progressive, which was picked up on mm-hmm. Monday of last week. And the headline says, censorship by proxy, how big tech is censoring even the global news platforms. Wait, come on. Restrictions no. on, yep. Oh, but like, they're talking about the AP and Reuters even like getting censored and funneled. Okay. Okay, restrictions on freedom of information by corporations beyond government censorship serve corporate, government, or other interests. Hmm. And what's funny is Mickey Huff and Andy Lee Roth. I just thought that the the name's just you know David Lee Roth and 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 there's there's got to be some Mickey Roth Mickey Hart from the Grateful Dead. It just hit me funny. Anyway, so despite the boundless access to info, Silicon Valley mirrors legacy media. In its consolidated ownership and privileging of elite narratives, new class of billionaire oligarchs owns or controls the most popular media platforms, including the companies often referred to as the Fangs, as we well know. But now it's not really Fangs because Meta and Alphabet—it's like man, <laughs> M-A-A-A-N, right? And so that's mm-hmm. Meta, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, App, Alphabet. For those who are on the podcast. Their CEOs are routinely lionized in popular culture and the press as intrepid entrepreneurs, inventors of today's must-have tools for work and play, and stewards of the public square. They include, but are not limited to, of course, we know Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos, and all are deeply involved and invested in computer software, social media platforms, and the World Wide Web itself. Right? So... Through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which we've covered extensively, Bill Gates has provided over $300 million to fund news outlets, journalism centers, and training programs, press associations, and specific media campaigns around the world. Hmm. Zuckerberg. Well, this is, um, not to derail no. too much, uh, Biden recently talked about um, during his, me, me and Colin covered it a little bit, um, his, like, all the branch to Africa, the he's given money to like connect Microsoft with like with African countries essentially. Yes. It's like very Charles Schwabby sort of stuff. Hmm. So sure. I believe that. So Zucker of, of course Mark Bill Mark Gates. Mark Robot Zuckerberg and in the name of combating online misinformation, of course, we know he hired fact-checkers from the Atlantic Council, which is a NATO lobby group, and he stifled and deplatformed countless independent news voices, mostly those critical U.S. foreign policy, official narratives of COVID, and other controversial issues, specifically, of course, around Israel as well. And they don't want to talk about Israel, Palestine. Thanks, Mark. Uh, let's get back to this. Resembling previous generations of billionaires who own legacy media outlets, today's digital tech titans blur the lines between journalism, entertainment, consumption of goods and information. They increasingly partner with the military-industrial complex, as we know, in service of national security and state surveillance. We know Bezos and 
Microsoft have got tons of government contracts. They also aim to collect and monetize any available information about the people who use their platforms. Yes, and as critics, including Shoshana Zuboff and Alan McLeod, Nolan Higdon, have noted, big tech billionaires harvest and exploit our online data for profit, political influence, social control, power dynamics, Zuboff calls surveillance capitalism. Again, I don't think I'm covering anything from this article that we're not very familiar with in our realm. But I want to still lay this out because we still have to establish this for the people kind of as a baseline, that this still is happening. That in the process, Mm. big tech giants and their oligarchic owners now engage in a new type of censorship, which we've called censorship by proxy. This is interesting. Censorship by proxy restrictions on freedom, uh, describes restrictions on freedom of information undertaken by private corporations that exceed limits on governmental censorship and serve both corporate and government or third party interests. Censorship by proxy is not subject to venerable First Amendment prescriptions or, or, or on government interference with freedom of speech or freedom of the press. It's private, you know, again, terms of service type of shit. Censorship by proxy alerts us to the power of economic entities that are not normally recognized as gatekeepers. For example, in 2022, and we covered this too, the digital financial service PayPal, whose, of course, founders include Peter Thiel and Elon Musk, froze the accounts of consortium news and mint press. By the way, Indie Media Award honorees, some of the best outlets out there that absolutely report on corruption and are uncorrupted themselves for unspecified offenses. Yeah, they do good stuff. For, quote, unspecified offenses and, quote, risks associated with their accounts, meaning they're affiliated with Palestine, and they report on Israel's crimes. Um, a ruling yep. that prevented both independent news outlets from using funds maintained by PayPal. Now, the thing with Consortium News was because Robert Parry had passed away and they hadn't filled out certain paperwork. They were holding, they're still holding, I believe, about $13,000 of, of Joe Loria's money. I mean, people have donated mm. over the years to Consortium News using PayPal. It's a terrible story. I don't believe they still have the money out. So, Consortium News and Mint Press have each filed critical uh, news stories and commentary on the foreign policy objectives of the U.S. and NATO. Like I said, PayPal issued notices to each news outlet stating that in addition to suspending their accounts, it might also seize their assets for damages. Yeah, that's for real. Like I said, Joe Loria said he believed this was a case of ideological policing. Renar Adley, who I've also had emails with, she's terrific, head of Press News, warned, these sanction, the sanctions regime, regime war is coming home to hit the bank accounts of watchdog journalists. Absolutely. Sadly. But yep. PayPal's freeze on the, the accounts of mint pressing consortium wasn't even the most glaring example of censorship by proxy in the past year. Instead, that dishonor goes to big tech platforms and media companies that launched a massive campaign of online censorship in the fateful aftermath of Russia's attack on Ukraine in early 2022. Now, this is where I start to diverge from this article in their take and the author's take on the special the on the strategic military operation that's happening in Ukraine, that the provocation by the U.S. that led up to this, and I'm going to read some things that I don't agree with, but was written by the writer by the authors, and I wanted it out there because I wanted to be able to a challenge it and discuss it, but also to lay it out and not censor them because these are their words. So, of course, Directv, Roku, Sling, and Dish each dropped RT America from their platforms in protest against the Russian invasion. In the name of fighting alleged Ru- Russian propaganda and disinformation and following the lead of the EU, YouTube disappeared the entire Russian channels, including RT, and Sp- uh, RT America and Sputnik. 
and those channels archives to great applause from various sectors of the American public, especially liberals. I, I guess. I don't, I don't know how many people were celebrating that they took down Redacted Tonight's entire library and Chris Hedges, really. I mean, they laughed. I mean, definitely a few. I mean, it depends on the exact people he's mentioning there. You know what? I like guess not I, all liberals, but like I a did, select few, definitely. You know what? I did drop the rest of the article and what they're talking about, and and they they call Putin a dictator, and uh, you know everybody's. Uh, it, it's it's really everybody's bad. Hate everybody's everyone. bad. Don't trust anyone. Yep. Um. But but that that um he's also censoring. And that he is, yes, everyone's bad, effectively. But I also wanted to, in that vein, remind everyone that this came out of media lens, and this this is our, you know, Julian, free Julian. Uh, nearly every war has been the result of media lies. Okay, speaking of specifically corporate media and Ukraine. And I think that these authors of the prior article, in their analysis or their breakdown, whatever you want to call it, you know, they were kind of spreading corporate media lies and they may, they may have knowingly or unknowingly done it. Now they did provide some receipts about the fact that, you know, independent media and some of these independent outlets have been thrown out that you can't say certain terms. You can't call it a war and you can't speak out against it in Russia. And, you know, from all things we're hearing, that seems to be kind of accurate. So I, I, I don't know, but you know, at the same time, I, I still think that that's well overblown and still part of a propaganda campaign. And from the people that I trust, I'm being told that. Um, so, hmm. Julian Assange once, once observed, of course, that nearly every war has been the result of media lies. For daring to publish evidence of war crimes, U.S. war crimes, Assange now sits in the high security Belmarsh prison in London at risk of being extradited to the U.S. within the next few weeks. Prospects for a fair trial range from minuscule to zero. That's generous. Mm -hmm. In a recent interview, WikiLeaks editor-in-chief Kristen Hernofson, that's he's the current uh, person running WikiLeaks, told U.S. journalists, of course, Glenn Greenwald, that legal avenues in London to challenge Assange's unlawful extradition were being exhausted. What's needed now uh, is not recourse to a legal system that is subservient to power, but a political fight, as he explained. Quote, in my perception, and I've been sitting on all the proceedings in London, all the extradition proceedings in London have exposed only one thing, and that's the fact that this is just not going to be won in a court. Okay, there's no justice to be had in courtrooms in London. That's obvious, and I don't have to mention the United States. That's one yeah. of the essences of the defense in fighting the extradition that he'll never be able to get a fair trial there. So we're running out of time. We need to push this on a different level. And so he decided that we needed to go on tour to shore up political support because the only way to fight a political persecution is through political means. The Guardian recently joined with the New York Times, Le Mans, and all the other shit, you know, mainstream media papers in publishing an open letter calling on President Biden to end Assange's persecution about three years too late and after they'd smeared him and dragged him through the mud and used his work in the process. But okay, we'll take it. It's been 10 years since Assange sought refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy in London after being dragged from the embassy by police in April 2019. 
in exchange for an IMF loan for, I believe it was $5.4 billion. Misty goes through the entire thing at the beginning of every action for Assange. Yep. Julian's been locked up in the harsh regime of Belmarsh Prison, suffering from, from failing physical mental health. Indeed, according to the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, Nils Melser, Assange is literally a victim of torture. We know this. In 2020, the prestigious medical journal, The Lancet, published a letter from doctors for Assange with 216 signatories from 33 countries, drawing urgent attention to the ongoing torture and medical neglect. So he warned us about this, and this is what they're doing to him. Political writer Thomas Scripps noted that the open letter from five newspapers, of course, makes clear that he's been the victim of a monstrous campaign of state persecution, cost him years of his life, good health, revealing state criminality designed to set a chilling example for others. And it has. Some do it in the face of that, but, you know, there's tons of people, I think, that would, and they're afraid to for family sake for all different kinds of job and extra, you know, being being kind of asked out from society for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we we're kind of the misfits. We we don't really care about that stuff, but tons of people do. What took them so long mm -hmm. to speak out? The conduct of these newspapers, of course, over the past decade has been thoroughly reprehensible. Their efforts to poison public opinion against him give credence to the false claims and accusations made against him, facilitated the American state's persecution of this principled and courageous journalist, on top of the fact that they never correct the lies, that they never print the updates, that they didn't properly follow and cover the, the, the Belmarsh trial um, <clears throat> and the old Bailey trial like Richard did. Holy moly. Um, Australian journalist John Pilger, legend, who's done so much to raise public awareness of Assange's plight, was scathing. And this is a much longer article, again, than I even broke up here. I had to grab a portion of it, but John Pilger just kills it. The editors of Guardian, Times, etc. finally speak up for Assange. Weasel words in 10 years late. I said three years late. He's 10 years after the Guardian made public WikiLeaks' secret password and launched a campaign of vilification against the truth-teller to cover their own ass. He added, the Guardian, which has played a major role in the persecution of Julian Assange, is now scurrying for cover with a call for him to be freed. But even its weasel statement repeats a line fiction about his failure to redact files. Correct. Soldier was referring to the oft-repeated smear that the WikiLeaks co-founder recklessly endangered the lives of informants when publishing information that exposed U.S. war crimes. In fact, Assange was extremely careful in redacting names and he was effectively thrown to the wolves by both The Guardian and The New York Times and a guy by the name of David Lee, a writer by the name of David Lee. That's the guy that deserves to be rotting in Belmarsh right now. How do we know this? Award-winning Australian journalist Mark Davis was an eyewitness to the preparation of the Afghan war logs in 2010 for newspaper publication documented in Davis's film Inside WikiLeaks. Davis spoke at a public meeting in Sydney in 2019, said he was present alongside Assange at The Guardian's bunker where a team from Guardian New York Times, Der Spiegel, worked on the publication of articles based on, as New York Times put it, quote, a six-year archive of classified military documents that offers an unvarnished ground-level picture of war in Afghanistan that is, in many respects, more grim than the official portrayal. Davis attested that far from being cavalier about releasing documents that might endanger lives, it was... Guardian journalists who neglected and appeared to care little about redacting the documents. Again, 
a man by the name of David Lee. David Lee. Say his name. Put him in prison instead of the guy that's sitting there. Nobody should be in prison for journalism. Mm -hmm. But if anybody's going to do it, if anybody's going to do it for publishing the secret key, it shouldn't be Julian Assange. Because he took every step yeah. that there was to protect it. And this moron actually published it. Moreover, they had a graveyard humor about people being harmed. No one, he stated emphatically, expressed concern about civilian casualties, except Julian. On top of the fact that all of this, we know, is just a persecution to get to Julian in the first place. As Oscar Grenfell explained in a piece for, the, for WSWS, shout out to Oscar and those guys. David Lee, like I said, and Nick Davies, senior Guardian, senior Guardian journalists who worked closely with Julian in the publication of the logs, have repeatedly claimed that Assange was indifferent to the consequences of the publication. That's a lie. These Guardian claims were pivotal in corporate media smears against Assange. They were also crucial in the U.S. government claims that publication aided the enemy, which, of course, it didn't. However, noted Grenfell, in reality, U.S. and Australian militaries have been compelled to admit that the release of the Afghan war logs did not result in a single individual coming to Physical harm. Yep. Not just killed, but any physical harm whatsoever. As Scripps points out, the open letter is evidence that even the five newspapers, including Gordian, were well aware from the start that Assange was functioning as a journalist innocent of any crime. Yet, why speak out now, 10 years too late? The likely concern is that a U.S. show trial would expose the newspaper's own nefarious role in providing cover for U.S. war crimes, as well as enabling the persecution of Julian. Which they already have. There's already another vital element in the timing, as he wrote. Both the exposure of U.S. war crimes would come at a time when the U.S. is expanding its proxy war against Russia and Ukraine, sold to the public on the grounds that the U.S. That US intervention is necessary to prevent Russian atrocities. And... Because the public despises the corporate media, is vital for state and corporate power. The public trust in the news media, a key conduit for carrying and amplifying Western propaganda, does not collapse entirely. So, bury the evidence. In the U.S., trust in the news has fallen to a historic low. Right? We know this. That's why we're doing what we're doing and we're kicking the crap out of everybody. Amazingly enough, I mean, in in our world, I mean, we are reaching people that have completely unplugged from corporate media. And God bless you all. The percentage of Americans who say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers has fallen to 16% for TV news. It's even lower at 11. So in response to these findings, Glenn was blunt. Of course, pick, uh, check out uh, Nick, Socialist MMA, on Glenn this week. He was but Glenn said, yep. the public despises the corporate media. There is almost nobody held in lower esteem or who's more distrusted and abhorred than liberal employees of large media corporations. Nobody wants to hear from them. So in-group arrogance is all they have left. Kind of, yeah. Yep. So John Pilger also pointed out, uh, he pointed to the ongoing tsunami of propaganda about Ukraine, which is something he's never seen before, including even the lies told about Iraq in the run-up to the 2003 invasion, which is remarkable. But 
they have a conduit to go directly into your brain. You don't have to turn on the TV anymore. When it comes to opposing views or informed views on Ukraine, none of them have been allowed in by the, by the corporate media, he said. And as for Guardian, its coverage of foreign affairs, we have some people now who are in absolute disgrace, especially on the reporting of Ukraine and Russia. Yes, 100%. The Independent carried a rare dose of sanity last week, even though they're completely owned by the Saudi royal family and their propaganda rag. <clears throat> when it permitted a piece by Mary Dejewski, all right, she's formerly the newspaper's foreign correspondent in Moscow. She observed the informed view that Western provocations had played a major role in precipitating the Ukraine war is virtually absent from, the, from news coverage. Hmm. How about that? Specific factors that are routinely ignored by the BBC and other major news outlets include, here we go, post-Cold War triumphalism, the green light for former East Bloc states to join NATO despite what Russia understood to have been promises to the contrary, the 2004 ousting of Ukraine's democratically elected president, which Russia saw as a U.S.-inspired coup, and the ways the West subsequently drew Ukraine into the Western Bloc, with the EU Association Agreement on uh, and NATO military assistance, even as it abrogated Cold War arms control treaties one after one or allowed them to lapse. You've got to look at it from the other perspective, and they just refuse to because it's inconvenient to them and to, and to the defense contractor. Consideration of such facts matter, she noted, because without understanding why Russia invaded, there could be no understanding of what will be needed for lasting peace. Because they don't want that. They want Afghanistan 2.0. They want a 20-year war. And then the legendary Jeffrey Sachs, an economist and, he, and foreign policy analyst, also the chair of the Lancet study on COVID. Did you see, yes. Uh, I think it was Joe. Might have been Turncoat. But his, like, <clears throat> Jeffrey Sachs reacts to Jimmy Dorff, like, Jimmy oh, starts yeah, going yeah, off, and yes. Jeffrey Sachs is like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> maybe, we'll have, <laughs> like, maybe we'll have to show that. It's like a bit. Some stuff. It's, yeah, it's I good. think that was Joe. STFU Shitlib2 on Twitter, at STFU Shitlib2, as long as Elon lets him stay on. But Jeffrey Sachs was telling Amy Goodman, yeah. Democracy Now!, who, of course, we're not huge fans of here, but she occasionally gets it right, though. She's even been a simp for the Intel state. Quote, I think both sides see that there's no military way out. Speaking of NATO and Ukraine on one side and Russia on the other. He's the most honest man in news, honestly. This war, like von Clausewitz told us two centuries ago, is politics by other means or with other means, meaning that there are political issues at stake here, and those are what need to be negotiated. He points out that the urgent need for war not to escalate, perhaps towards nuclear Armageddon, literally, demands that the issue of NATO expansion being negotiated immediately, adding, quote, there are other issues as well, but the point is this war needs to end because it's a disaster for everybody. It's a threat to the, to the whole world. According to EU President Ursula von der Leyen last week, 100,000 Ukrainian soldiers have died, 20,000 civilians, and then the war continues. And so this is an utter disaster, and we've not searched for the political solution because they don't want to give an inch to Putin whatsoever. To return to Julian, though, the need for independent media that serve the public and scrutinize power has thus never been greater. And that's why I brought this article up. It kind of dovetails nicely into what we do a little bit. 
the pattern of the media calling for one war after another as media analyst or the legend um, indie media award honoree Alan McLeod ha- highlighted in a recent tweet is persistent and abhorrent. Quote, quote, bombing Iraq isn't enough. Bomb North Korea before it's too late. Quote, bomb Syria, even if it's illegal. To stop Iran's bomb, bomb Iran. I mean, and so on it goes. This media promoted war fever, whose primary beneficiary is the Western military intelligence industrial complex, the Mickey Mat, as our friend Lori Jones likes to call him once in a while, must end for the sake of humanity. Yes. Let's go back to the legendary Julian. If we have a good media environment, then we will also have a peaceful environment. You're here to that. Um, Big Julian Assange. Um, you, owe me, you owe me five bucks, by the way. FJB. No, I didn't uh, do it. I did what? not. I did not do. It's a happy Hanukkah. What? How do we miss that? No, I didn't. I did not. No, do that. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Happy Hanukkah. That's the only That's song. Right. What? Um, the Elon's reverting the decision. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yes. And we- he's going to make it. We'll see. No, he's already like, yeah, my bad. And now we're going to make votes for any policy changes. Emperor Elonicus has spoken. I have spoken. Is that your Elon impression? I guess. I don't really have one. Okay. We are on Rockfin, folks. Um, Rockfin.com slash IND left news. It's free. It's ad free. So if you don't have re- uh, YouTube premium and you hate ads, rockfin.com slash IND left news. You can sign up for free. Literally for free. It's free, guys. Did I tell you that it's free? Okay. So. Yes. And there's a lot of kick ass premium content if you do want to sign up. And they, they actually just, they're about to raise the price if they haven't already. Not crazy about it, but I understand because they've added a ton of value and a ton of content creators. And a, They've been $9.99 a month for a long time. Now they're $14.99 a month premium for the entire platform. It's not just my channel. For every single channel on the platform, all their premium content, all the Jimmy Dore shows, all the Whitney Webbs, which you get a week early. You get the Whitney Webb stuff. You just get it a week later. Um, all the Sabby Shabs, she makes some of her stuff premium occasionally. But you can find them on other platforms everywhere else. You just can't find them ad-free elsewhere. It's just you want to see it ad-free, that's... Kind of what you got to do, or you got to have YouTube Premium too. That that that'll work. But um, so Jesus wants to go to Venus. Yes, Levon. He Levon likes his money. Yes. Uh, thank you, Eric. You Eric's doing is the restream bot a Rumble thing? Um, no, it's not a Rumble thing. It's actually a uh, restream thing. Restream is the streaming software that we use to go out live, and it helps us go yep. out to multiple platforms. And one of the things it does is it relays between uh, the INN channels and the Indie Left channel. So if you chat at one, I see it at the other, which is kind of cool. You should see Everybody's. like where it's from, YouTube, and then the name of the person. It also it works to on formatting there. Yep, and it also works on yep. uh, like that. Which see like that one doesn't come over. Okay, mm-hmm. close that. I just got to get rid of that. 
Yay. Nikki, Nikki's here. Hi, hi, Nikki, Kelly, and we got we got a wow, a couple dozen people. Nice. Kick ass. And we got people over on on the Rumbles too. Nice. We're getting some decent views, by the way. Also, rumble.com slash C slash in was it independent left news or rumble.com slash C slash how did we miss that? We have our own channel over there. I never I never talk about that. I need to plug it for a minute. Put the timer up, brief. All right. No. Um over on Rumble. Rumble lets you make channels for all different stuff. So we made a channel. I, I initially made it just for the clips of how do we miss that? And then we got live streaming ability. And I'm like, well, why don't we go live and do the live stream for the show on that channel too? And then put the clips there during the week and just make it an exclusive. How do we miss that channel? So that's what that is. Rumble.com slash C slash. How do we miss that? And you can go watch all the clips and you can see all the live streams that for the last few weeks that we've done. Cause we've been streaming there too. So, timer over. Uh, yes, Rockfin does need to make their UI not suck, and I'd love for them to work with Restream, but Restream wants like 15 grand a month, according to the people that I've spoken to. We want a lot of money to integrate with the chat and with everything else. Uh-oh. Do I see a timer? What? Do I see an on-screen timer somewhere? No. no. Good. All right. No. Uh, next story. The verbal representation of one. Thank you. Next story. Of the Jeopardy theme song. Bing, bing, bing. Do, yes. Do, 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 we got some new do, some, some do, new do. folks in, in the house. Uh, I just want to shout out and say, uh, not even new folks, but more recent folks that, that we've been seeing lately. You know, Lazy Quackle, good to see you again this week. Mastermind Hour, same thing. Human Love, of course, always always been around. Yeah, if you haven't, OG, go over there and you. sub to INN, Indie yep. News Network. Yep, Indie News. You yep, can find yep. the links to that at IndieNews.com. Network. They're also in the in the doobly doos down below, all all over the place. Yes, sir. But yeah, we're streaming. We're co-streaming to all the indie news network channels. But we are getting close to a thousand subs on YouTube for INN. So if you could share out the yeah. INN channel as well and try to help us get that to a thousand, that will help us get be able to get super chats, which would be really cool. Thank um, you. The other the other thing that I wanted to mention is Substack. I mentioned before that we're monetized over there. I put out a Substack every day. It's a six pack. I call it the six pack of uh, videos to watch. Sometimes it's a clip from here. It's Jimmy Dore clips. It's live streams. It's RBN. It's a little bit of everything. It's variety. And I try to put one out five to seven days a week, depending on how busy I am and motivated and whatever else I, you know, we can talk about, but um, yeah, check out uh, now it's called indiemedia.today. Uh, IndieMediaToday.substack.com. Change the name on that, so now it all aligns and it makes it much easier. And it's separate from Indie Left News because it is different. It's just a snippet of the videos in Indie Left News, which is the big mothership. So let's get to our story here, and this is an interesting one. I found in, you know, uh, one of one of my favorite outlets, Off Guardian. Um, C.J. Hopkins, swimming with sharks is the name of, is the title of the article, and I'm like. Okay, what what do you mean? So uh, I read about it, and he's talking about specifically the Twitter files and COVID narrative. Hmm. So what, what's this all about? Okay. Now I, I did this little creative thing. This was his cover photo, and I grabbed the title and kind of laid it out. Tried to get RT with it a little bit more. So Elon's new free speech Twitter appears to be going extremely well. <laughs> Tongue in cheek. Critics of the official mm -hmm. COVID narrative and the official Ukraine narrative and Elon Musk himself are still being deplatformed, censored, and defamed, but otherwise, you can tweet whatever you want. 
okay, sure, if you don't want to do that, and instead you want to tweet about the systematic destabilization and radical restructuring of global society that's been carried out by the global capitalist ruling classes during the past three years, or the most insidious official propaganda and gaslighting campaign in human history, or if you want to tweet out about neo-Nazis in Ukraine or anything else the Emperor Ilonicus, shout out to CJ Hopkins on that one, doesn't want you to tweet about, well, not to put it in too fine a point of, on it, you're fucked. Fucked as in suspended or censored or de-boosted or visibility filtered, as we talked about. Or maybe your account is just hidden from view behind one of these fake sensitive content uh, warnings. Oh, it's the worst. Right? Exactly as it was on everywhere. non-free speech Twitter. We're fucked. Yes. So, but whatever, that's a small price to pay for the privilege of shitposting and owning the libs, which was the whole point of tw- the Twitter takeover in the first place, wasn't it? I.e. revenge as opposed to actual free speech. Revenge. Revenge. Who cares if scientists and medical experts and critics of the new normal are being censored? Andrew Anglin, the neo-Nazi editor of the Daily Stormers back. That'll certainly stick it to those shit libs. And then there's the release of the Twitter files, which is turning into a car thriller. Yes, that's right. Ilonicus the Just is releasing in-house documentation of the rogue cabal of liberal bad apples that were arbitrarily censoring conservatives, not for any systematic ideological narrative enforcement reasons, but just because, well, you know, they're liberals or leftists or cultural Marxists or whatever. I love C.J. Hopkins. Fucking hilarious. I love this. Le Car Thriller sounds like like the French title for like what's what's the Stephen Hawk Stephen King? Yes, Macabre. The the what? Christine. Yes. The one with the car? Yes, Le Car Thriller. Yes. Le Car. Le Car. Part two, of course, published by Barry Weiss on Thursday, which we covered last week. Focused on Twitter's no- notorious blacklists and included screenshots and other evidence of how Twitter executives censored, deranked, and otherwise intentionally disappeared and misrepresented information and political views they didn't like and so decided that no one should be able to read. Part 3, published by Matt last night, documented the censorship and eventual deplatforming of Donald Trump, who was the president of the United States at the time. So, yeah, a- another nothing burger. Sure. <laughs> Fortunately, as it turns out, All this censorship, defamation, intentional deception of the public, interference in the political process, and so on, was the work of, you guessed it, a few bad apples. Yoel Roth, Parag Agarwal, Vijaya, Gadi, yes, I know, Vijaya, and and other bad apples who've all been fired or exited by Emperor Elonicus. So that's all over now, and will never happen again. Let's see. Not as long as Elonicus reigns. <laughs> so great. Oh, I'm glad that proof of the shenanigans that so many of us have been describing for years is finally definitively coming to light. However, eternal optimist that I am, I was hoping that the Twitter files would at least broach the subject of how the global corporatocracy and its government functionaries and the state and corporate media and global corporations like Twitter have gone more or less full-blown totalitarian and have conducting, been conducting a textbook like Shantung campaign. I don't know how to pronounce that better. I'm not German, but CJ is based in Germany, imposing and enforcing ideological uniformity and systematically censoring those of us who have been questioning and challenging the official COVID narrative 
and that destabilization and radical restructuring of global society that I mentioned above. I want to shout out three people right now who don't normally get love and I wouldn't normally talk about, but <clears throat> James Young, Manitok, Steve Poikinen, Slow Newsday, Ricky Rance. Three of them who never really get talked about much at all, but have been screaming from the rooftops and have been running around and should feel very vindicated these days. And this is what CJ's been talking about. Let's not get sidetracked by all that narrative stuff. All that global to global capitalist totalitarianism stuff for the countless people around the world that are dying suddenly or unexpectedly, which of course has nothing to do with multiple experimental quote-unquote vaccinations that they were deceived and are coerced into submitting to. No. Which Twitter and the rest of the global capitalist propaganda apparatus repeatedly assured us were safe and effective and censored those of us who suggested they might not be or that we might not need to vaccinate every man, woman, and child on the planet, as Dr. J, of course, famously said, and others at the Great Barrington Declaration. All that stuff is water under the bridge. The important thing is American red-blue politics, right? That and get your jabs, everyone. Your fifth, the fourth, fifth, I don't even know what we're up to now. Also, uh, okay, before I get into the Twitter files further, I needed to do the full disclosure thing. And... I kind of am going to share my feelings also. Similarly, I agree with CJ on this. As I'm sure you're aware, Elon Musk has chosen to release the selected Twitter files to Matt Taibbi and now also Barry Weiss in, instead of, you know, just making them public. Well, I know Matt Taibbi. We communicate occasionally. He's blurbed a few of my books. I respect him. I like him. I am seriously biased towards Matt Taibbi. I would have Matt Taibbi's babies if he let me. Dude, I love this guy. Basically, I'm in love with Matt Taibbi and would probably be creepily stalking him right now if I lived in the USA instead of here in Germany. I don't know Barry Weiss at all, but from what I can tell, she seems like a nice lady. <laughs> He's nice. Oh my God, dude, he kills me. All Bullshit. right, that's... <laughs> Bullshit. Nice. She's fine. She's nice too. Isn't that nice? Bullshit. Spaghetti's fine. Hair is fine. Tribute to George Carlin. Sorry, we're clowning around. But all right, that's my full disclosure. Let's get back to those Twitter files. All right. Well, according to the story, Baker, of course, we know, James Baker was doing this vetting, unbeknownst to Elon, who had apparently just accidentally forgotten to fire his. Deputy General Counsel, who he'd been aware of for at least eight months, when he fired all those liberal bad apples. And so Elon, being totally in the dark, as it were, had absolutely no idea what Baker was doing to the Twitter files until Perry Weiss caught it and brought it to his attention. That bothers me as in I do not believe it. And here's a tweet. Whoops, looks like I accidentally forgot to fire the FBI guy that worked with the Clinton campaign on the Russiagate hoax and, for, and helped censor the laptop story at the issue in the Twitter files and was vetting the release of those files without my knowledge until today. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dude, he oh, just Eli. needs someone Photoshop a pinky on that photo. Oh, Eli. Just Photoshop that pinky it's, like, right it, it, here. It goes right there. It's like the perfect face for that. Okay. Just Photoshop that upside down pinky cj says again hmm. i want to be clear what i'm saying this is cj hopkins from off guardian i want to be clear what i'm saying i'm not questioning matt's or barry's motives or methods 
and certainly not their characters. If I were in their positions, I'd be doing the same thing, getting my hands on as many Twitter files as possible and reporting the story that there that is there to report. This is the part that I love. They are journalists. This is what journalists do. And again, I Barry Weiss is a journalist, begrudgingly, but she is a journalist, okay? She's also a successful one. They've also been around the block a few times, so I assume they're aware when they're swimming with sharks, which is, again, getting back to the name of the, the, the title of the article. If they weren't previously, mm-hmm. they certainly are now after this fishy Baker betting business. What I'm saying is, how can we trust what they're getting? How many files were vetted by Baker? Was Why was he still in a position to vet them? Who's vetting the files now that Baker's been exited? Which files have been given to Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss, and which files have not been given to them? Or has everything been given to them? The reporting they're doing is like creating a collage. They can only work with the materials they're given, and the materials they're given will determine the story, or at least limit the nature and scope of the story. Also, and notwithstanding my respect and disturbing affection for Matt, neither Matt nor Barry Weiss have been particularly interested in covering the rollout of the official COVID narrative, i.e. the most insidious propaganda and gaslighting campaign in human history for the destabilization and or radical restructuring. Stuff. Or like a lot of us on stuff. Of global society that I keep mentioning in this column and have been mentioning about extensively since March of 2020. Yes. Or like a lot of Tara Reid stuff. Uh, yes, 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 all of it, yes. I don't think any of it, with the exception of Ukraine, like is to the to, is to Palestine the Palestine stuff to the global scale that or that, like that they that they foisted COVID upon the entire world. Okay, RT stuff. I would. There's got to be a whole file on RT. What? Shit, right? What do we, dude? We we literally just talked about all of that. Yes. So yes. even if even if Elon had dumped the entire Twitter da- database on Matt and Barry, I doubt that either of them are going to be exactly chomping at the bit to report that story. And this is CJ's point. Seriously, just imagine if they did. If you think the corporate media's reaction to Matt's initial Twitter files release was brutal, and it certainly was, imagine what would happen if he and Barry told the story of Twitter's role in the new global like Gleitalschung campaign about COVID. They would likely lose everything. Publishers, book deals, literary agents, colleagues, friends. They would be excommunicated from the Hall of Seriousness, cast out to the outer darkness where the deny-listed souls of COVID-denying, conspiracy-theorizing anti-vaxxers moan into the void for all eternity. Naomi Wolf, RFK Jr. I mean, uh, we we can name them. Mm-hmm. Because telling that story would mean documenting everything. The fabricated COVID cases and, quote, COVID death st- statistics. The lies about the lockdowns, the masks. Jimmy Dore would be vindicated. The vaccines, all of it. The whole new normal Megillah. Not how it's over now because the science changed, but how the whole thing was one enormous psyop, regardless of whether or how much it was of it was intentional. Of course, thank you, Klaus. We know that it was all intentional. How much of it was manufactured with lies and propaganda from the very beginning in March of 2020? If it even started in March of 2020, I think it started in November of 2019, personally. Put yourself in Matt and Barry's position. If they tell that story, their lives will be destroyed. Go ahead. Judge them if you want. I'm not interested in judgment, personally. I'm interested in seeing things as they are 
and the way they are. Well, we have a little quandary here, a quandary regarding the, the Twitter files not turning out to be a limited hangout or being perceived as a limited hangout. And yep. so in light of that little quandary... You know, you've suggested stuff. And here you know, is... You suggested a whole list of uh, journalists you would also like to... Well, we could start with the Indie Media Award honorees. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in light of this little quandary, here's a proposal for Elon. Maybe Matt or Barry or one of my high-profile right-wing readers can pass it on to him. You don't have to tell him where it came from. It's pretty simple. Here it is. Share the COVID narrative censorship Twitter files with journalists who want to tell that story. Let Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss keep telling the story they're telling, which, make no mistake, is of historic support importance and is ultimately part of the larger story that the COVID narrative censorship is also part of. But share the files with other journalists who don't have as much to lose or who are willing to lose it to report the story or who have already lost it and don't give a shit. If you actually meant Vox Populi, Vox Day, then how about a little Vox Populi, Elon? So good. Mm -hmm. If Elon is serious about coming clean, challenge thrown down. Now it is up to you, sir, to accept it. If Elon is serious about coming clean and defending the freedom of speech and all that stuff, and not just whitewashing the company he just bought and orchestrating an elaborate limited hangout, he can prove it by offering the COVID narrative censorship Twitter files to a few other journalists. Journalists who want to report that story, who want to report that story right now, not two years from now when no one cares anymore. I have a hunch he might get a few takers. I have a couple of names. Um, someone who's been censored off of Twitter also, and indie media honoree, um, Last American Vagabond, Ryan Christian. Indie media award honoree, Whitney Webb. I know she would want to tell that story. These guys at the Off Guardian, 100%, they would tell that story. A lot of outlets Mac. won't. Consortium Consortium News would tell that story. Consortium. Mint Press Boy. would tell that story. Yeah. Who's CJ? CJ Hopkins. Just to just to lay out who this guy is and how good he is. Consentfactory.org or cjhopkins.com. And as long as you can follow him on Twitter till he gets banned and censored, Consent Factory over there. He's an award-winning playwright, novelist, political satirist based in Berlin. You know, play Plays are published by Bloomsbury Publishing, Broadway Plays, his dystopian novel, Novel Zone 23. Okay, and and all of his Consent Factory essays are published by Consent Factory Publishing, a wholly owned subsidiary of Amalgamated Content, Inc., which I believe he owns. Support independent journalists like Off Guardian and C.J. Hopkins. Off Guardian is a fantastic outlet, big fan. Um, so that is. Our second article before we get to the um uh before we get to Twitter files. But uh Christopher Dobby. What's up, Christopher? Good to see you, man. Um Richard Thunder, Dr. Richard Thunder. Has given Dobby a suck. Uh, Dobby has gifted me. Dobby is free. Master has gifted me with a suck. And he probably hates it when people do that. So I'm really sorry. But it's <laughs> I know, so good I'm to sorry, see you. Bro. Why doesn't Matt Taibbi go on the Jimmy Dore show? Um, he has gone on Jimmy Dore. It's just been a while. Um, a few times. I'm guessing he's making the rounds. Um, I can't really answer that. I don't really 
know what their relationship or how they're booking and how it's working out. I know, you know, Jimmy makes pretty special exceptions. And if they called Matt, I would guess that Matt would do the interview. He's gone everywhere to talk about this stuff so far. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's gone on with Glenn and he's gone on with, he's gone on with Lee Camp yet. But he went on Useful Idiots, I saw. He's no longer on that show anymore or, you know, on the podcast. But he went on as a guest and talked about Twitter files. Um, He's been making the rounds. I'm guessing we'll find him on Jimmy sometime soon. But um, I did want to get to breaking down the Twitter files. But let's see who else. Anything else in chat? DJ Comatose. What's up? Good to see you here, too. Dr. Richard Thunder. I, I hear that thunder. You better run. You better take over. Uh, Dana Fairbanks, how are you? Thank you. So good to see you here. Thank you for sharing that that Substack earlier. Uh, that was our Rockfin announcement from back in March. And it's incredible how quickly our, ours and my channels have grown. We launched basically on the same day. And she's been ahead of me. And that's no surprise. And she should be. Uh, but But we're both, I think she's getting close to 3,000 followers. And we're getting close to... 28 or 2,900 followers over there. and Again, we, we love the people over at Rockfin. I just wish more people were over there. People at Rumble are great. People at Odyssey are great. Uh, we've, we've got connections, contacts at all three companies, and I, I'm a big fan of all these alternate platforms, and we've got to get off these, these, mega, these mega billionaire-owned platforms. And Rumble, of course, is owned by a somewhat mega billionaire, but um, it's at least not YouTube. You know, and they're not trying to censor like YouTube's doing it. Um, so, thank you so much, Eric T. Red, that email, that my new email newsletters rock. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, you get that every every day at noon. Indie Left News, I N D I E Left News. I'm sure sure it shows up in the night in the night bot at some point. Um, and then of course we have the Substack too, and that's going to go out when I can publish it. And there one went out tonight, alerting the show, so you could see it on all the links to all the platforms there and all the stories. And then afterwards, all the stories and all the links. So that'll be there too. Um, so it's actually great. A great home for all, all this content. Um, so we Are you have doing a second Substack ad. No, I'm done. I'm not doing another one. A second. No, oh, I'm not you, doing I, I, if I hear one more Substack at the end of the night, I'm done. I'm done. We're going right. to <laughs> take away your gold stars. All right. Again, here we go. Shout out to, to Greg because I told him I needed I needed a Trump NFT. You're back to shout outs. I needed it. Well, look. <laughs> Somebody pointed what? out that that Trump has has got a bit of a camel toe show in there. Um, on his mm. on his superhero. I think that's outfit. just the head of the mushroom. It, you know, it might no. It's it's definitely a split right down the middle. Um, so no, it's just. Only wide. This is all no about. Length. We're we're gonna go through episodes uh, through Twitter files four and five, which is about the decision to remove Trump and then the actual removal of Trump himself. So that's why mm. I figured it was appropriate on top of the fact that he did the NFTs, which sold out, of course, because he sells out everything to yes. his loyal followers and fans. And this starts out with Michael Schellenberger, who I think is over at the Free Press or whatever. Barry Weiss's outlet is he's one of the writers over there. He's also been one of the three people that's been publishing the Twitter files. This is his first. And this was about the removal of Donald Trump from January 7th. 
All right. And you can see, again, it's got 45,000 likes and 17,000 retweets. It's, it's got some action on it. And we're going to go, we're going to mm. use a thread reader so that we don't have to see all the tweets. But as the pressure builds, Twitter execs build the case. And we, we covered this at the end of last week that on January 7th, yeah. senior executives create justifications to ban him. They seek a change of policy for him alone, distinct from other political leaders. They express no concern for free speech or democracy implications of a ban. And this is reported with L. Woodhouse. And I remember who L. Woodhouse is, but this, this is some really good reporting, I have to say. That for years, Twitter had resisted calls to ban Trump. And blocking a world leader in their policy, as it wrote in 2018, would hide important info and hamper necessary discussion around their world's action. So this, this gets interesting about the policy and when they decide to censor a world leader. After, after the events of January 6th, internal and external pressure on Jack grows for Michelle Obama, Kara Swisher, ADL, Chrisaka, many others call. They want to ban him. As it turns out, Jack was on vacation in French Polynesia that week. He phoned into meetings, but also delegated much of the handling of the situation to senior execs, Yoel Roth, Vijaya, Vajaya, okay. watch your mouth. This is a family show. <laughs> just say, Boys have just, a Praga. Girls just say have pussy. A just go ahead and say it. Pussy. Thank you. As context, it's important to understand. I had to let her finish. It's important to understand that mm -hmm. Twitter's staff and senior execs were overwhelmingly progressive. And we pointed this out last week as well, that in 2018, 2020, and 2022, 96, 98, 99% of Twitter staff political donations went to Democrats, respectively. In 2017, Roth tweeted, there were actual Nazis in the White House. But you know what? In all fairness, what? so did I. So did I. Effing F. I was I was a I was a shit lib in 2017. I'll I'll admit it. I was still TYT. Oh, I, Michael I Jordan. Stop it. Get some help. I did get some help. Thank you. I I, I got Richard <laughs> Meadows and I got Jimmy Dore. I got some help. Um, mm -hmm. In a, in April of 2022, though, Roth told a colleague that his goal is to drive change in the world, which is why he decided not to become an academic. And Slack, right from Slack, that person in pink is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than actual Nazis in the White House. We can talk about Yoel Roth and his proclivities, and some of his Twitter posts are pretty racy, I have to say. But... On January 7th, Jack's emails, Jack emails employees saying Twitter needs to remain consistent in its policies, including the right of users to return to Twitter after a temporary suspension. After, Roth, Roth reassures employee that people who care about this aren't happy with where we are. It's such like libspeak, all right? Yeah. There's an opportunity to help people understand that. I mean... It's very corporate. It's very PC. It's very, you know, it's clear they just want to know that someone is doing something about this. And it's not that we're ignoring the issues here. The issues being censorship. No. All right. Yes. All right. 1130 in the morning, Pacific time, Roth DMs his colleagues with news that he's excited to share. Guess what? Jack just approved repeat offender for civic integrity. New approach create a system where five mm. violations or strikes would result in a permanent suspension. And guess what? Trump has already got four. Progress. The exchange between Roth and his colleagues Yay. makes clear that they had been pushing Jack for greater restrictions on the speech Twitter allows around elections. 
Colleague wants to know what the decision means Trump can finally be banned. Person asks, does, it, does the incitement to violence aspect change that calculus? Trump says it doesn't. Trump continues to just have his one strike remaining. Right. So, Ross' colleague query about incitement to violence heavily foreshadows what will happen the following day. On January 8th, Twitter announces a permanent ban on Trump due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Kind of interesting, huh? That that, that phrase is used. Now, I last week we were talking about a certain employee. Um, and as it turns out, that employee was ex-Intel and scrubbed his LinkedIn profile. So, hey, how about that? On January 8th, Twitter says its bans is based specifically on how Trump's tweets are being re received and interpreted. So now they are, you know, they're, they're now interpreters. In 2019, Twitter said it did not attempt to determine all potential interpretations of the content of its intent or its intent, right? Specific to their, to their policy on world leaders. An update. Why? The only serious concern we found expressed within Twitter over the implications for free speech and democracy of banning Trump came from a junior person in the organization, and it was tucked away in a lower-level Slack channel known as Site Integrity Auto. And he says, this, whoever this person was, this might be an unpopular opinion, but one-off ad hoc decisions like this don't appear to be rooted in policy or, in my honest opinion, a slippery slope and reflect an alternatively equal dictatorial problem. This now appears to be a fiat by online platform CEO with a global presence that can gatekeep speech for the entire world, which seems unsustainable. Wow, that sounds a lot like something that I kind of talked about today. Anyway, mm -hmm. Twitter employees use the term one-off frequently in their Slack discussions. Its frequent use reveals significant employee discretion over when and whether to apply warning labels on tweets and strikes on users. Here are typical examples. So here's somebody, USA Secession. We're trying to understand the one-off decision here. And here's another one saying there's always abuse one-off, right? Um, one-off is the option from bounce. Recall from Twitter files, too, that according to Twitter staff, we control visibility quite a bit, and we control the amplification of your content quite a bit, and normal people <clears throat> do not yep. know how much we do. <clears throat> we focused on that sentence very closely. Twitter employees recognize the difference between their own politics and Twitter's TOS, but they also engage in complex interpretations of content in order to stamp out prohibited tweets as a series of exchange over Hashtag stop the steal review. Yeah. Right? So what what he says is that uh, Yoel Roth, uh, he's having a conversation with somebody whose name is blacked out. I saw the hashtag and then did a search on it and all the content was appalling. So I don't think it's showing up elsewhere. Thank you for all you're doing. Hmm. I'll flag the election squad. We're proactively surfacing that content for review under civic integrity and it should be blocked from typehead and trends. And you're seeing it in either of the latter. Two. I mean, they're, this is controlling speech and narrative, right? Roth immediately DMs a colleague to ask that they add hashtag stop the steal and QAnon conspiracy term Kraken to a blacklist of terms to be deamplified. Roth's colleague ob objects Bill. to the blacklisting stop the steal risk, deamplifying counter speech that validates the election. 
Yes. Why do you need to silence people yeah. if hmm? you know about Phil, right? Phil McCracken. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's not this one. Yeah. This is this is this is Sidney Powell's release to crack. Indeed, notes Roth's colleague a quick search of, just top, as... of top stop the steel tweets and their counter speech, but they quickly come up with a solution: de-amplify accounts with stop the steel in the name or profile, since those are not affiliated with counter speech specific to an to an incident or to a to, you know they're just across the board. But it turns out that even blacklisting Kraken is less straightforward than they thought because Kraken, in addition to being a QAnon conspiracy theory based on the mythological Norwegian sea monster, is also the name of a cryptocurrency exchange and was thus allow listed. Another one of these dystopian Orwellian unwords, allow listed. They used to call that whitelisted, but that's now considered racist. So now it's allow listed, I guess. And Maybe that's that's better for the change, you know, the change for the better. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. It just, it just seems Orwellian. Uh, allow listed versus deny listed. Um, employees struggle with whether to public with whether to punish users who shared screenshots of Trump's deleted January six tweets. They're saying we should bounce those tweets with a strike, given that the screenshot violates the policy. And somebody says they're criticizing Trump, so I'm a bit hesitant with applying the strike to this user. This also is where we get into a slippery slope. You can read, do, do the Trumpy voice, read the, read the tweet. These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly unfairly treated for so long go home with love and in peace remember this day forever i like it better than anything else no no that, no, that was no forever all right we should bounce it again forever. so they're saying i'm a bit hesitant so now that what they're they're trying to determine is intent what if a user dislikes trump and objects to twitter censorship tweet still gets deleted but since the intention is not to deny the election result, no punishing strike is applied. Quote, if there are instances when intent is unclear, please feel free to raise. How about like all of them? So here's a few more. Here's another one that says, I don't even like the man, but I'm not going to put up with Twitter deleting opinions they don't like. Hmm. You're wrong. Again, sounds like today. Wrong. wrong. Right. Um, wrong. So again, if there are instances when they're unclear. Would, de- would agree, delete only in instances where the content is not shared with abusive intent. They are now determining mm. people's tone and their tone policing. Around noon, a confused yes. senior executive in advertising sends a DM to Roth. I love this because I'm, 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 in, I'm in sales. So like a sales guy came up with this. Sales exec. Jack says, we'll permanently suspend Trump before policies are violated after a 12-hour account lock. What? Policies is Jack talking about? Yeah, well, Roth comes back and says, any policy violation. Holy shit. Yes. And here's the messaging. JP, and his name is JP, whoever he is. JP, legend, by the way, for internal, for internal awareness. But before sharing anything, please coordinate with so-and-so on the comm side. Obviously, a ton of interest in our position on this. Want to ensure we stay alive. Dude, this guy mm. was such a corporate worm. I mean, literally, he looks like Jeff Miami. I think he might be Jeff Miami. Probably. 
What happens next is essential to understanding how Twitter justifies. I mean, you've not seen Trump. Yoel Roth and Geoff Miami in the same room, right? So. Sales exec says we're nicely. We we are dropping the public interest policy now. Roth six hours later. In this specific case, we're changing our policy of policy with our public interest approach for his account. Though we though we uh though we do have work planned on revisions in the first half of 2021. Great. When he's not president anymore. Yeah, that revision, by the way, which you're gonna find out, they want to completely ban him permanently once he wasn't president anymore. That was their plan either way. So this ad exec is referring to Twitter's policy of public interest exceptions, which allows the content of elected officials, even if it violates Twitter rules, if it directly contributes to understanding or discussion of a matter of public concern. Right? So this is where they're going to try to use and limit. But you're going to see the hypocrisy here. And Barry Weiss is going to point that out in part five. But Roth pushes for permanent suspension of Matt Gates, even though it doesn't quite fit anywhere. Duh. All right. It's kind of a test case for rationale for banning Trump. I'm trying to talk Twitter's safety team into removal as a conspiracy that incites violence. All right. And that's about Antifa and Sipiz and, and SI are working on that. These are all these, these teams. And Vijaya was directionally okay. Yeah. See here. I'm trying to talk to safety. I think we'll get over the line for removal as a conspiracy that incites violence. But Jaya was directionally okay with it. So already you've got like legal and compliance and they're all already trying to get rid of this guy. Amazingly, Matt Gates never gets taken off of Twitter. Around 2.30, comms execs uh, DM Roth to say that they don't want to make a big deal of the QAnon ban to the media because they fear if we push this, it looks like we're trying to offer up something in place of the thing everyone wants, meaning a Trump ban. So, yeah. Um. We can explain why if we're asked, but worry that if we push, it looks like we're trying to offer it. Yep. And Yoel acknowledges that. Yep. Uh-huh. He doesn't care. That evening, a Twitter engineer DMs Roth again to say, I feel a lot of debates around exceptions stem from the fact that Trump's account is not technically different from anybody else and yet treated differently due to his personal status without corresponding Twitter rules to clarify the responsibilities that should come with that status. You're holding him to a standard and not telling him what the rules are. That's what they're saying. And Roth's response hints again at how Twitter would justify deviating from its longstanding policy, which is to put a different spin on it. Policy is one part of the system, how Twitter works. We ran into the world changing faster than we were able to adapt, either adapt the product or the policy. So fuck you. We're, you know, this is, this is how it is. We, we had to adapt fast. You know, the, this is this is not we can and should do both, not directly. Uh-huh. Mm. So the evening of January 7th, the same junior employee who expressed the unpopular opinion originally about ad hoc decisions speaks up one last time before the end of the day. Bless that that employee, man. What kind of courage they had. The only serious concern we found expressed, and I'm and again, I grabbed that tweet again from earlier and I'm re-re-showing that. What that mm -hmm. concern was that doesn't appear to be rooted in policy, speaks up one last time. Earlier in the day, they wrote that they're concerned specifically surrounding the unarticulated logic of the decision by Facebook. That space fills with the idea, conspiracy theory, that all internet moguls sit around like kings, casually deciding what people can and cannot see. 
and they link to this 1-0 article. Will Oremitz noted the inconsistency too, linking to this article. Facebook chuckled. It, it, it chucked its own rule book to ban Trump. Right? The underlying problem is that the dominant platforms have always been loath to own up to their subjectivity because it highlights the extraordinary unfettered power they wield over the global public square and places the responsibility for that power on their own shoulders. So they hide behind an ever-changing rulebook, alternatively, alternately pointing to it when it's convenient and shoving it under the nearest rug when it isn't. Mm -hmm. Facebook's suspension of Trump now puts Twitter in an awkward position. If, if Trump does indeed return to Twitter, the pressure on Twitter will ramp up to find a pretext which, on which to ban him as well. Indeed, and as Barry will show in the next Twitter files, that's exactly what ended up happening. Um, and I, I wanted to stop here for a minute and just kind of go over, like, there wasn't that much to that, but there still was quite a bit. Yoel Roth, I'm glad they removed him. Um, there's been a lot, and he had to move, and there's been a lot of backlash about in the corporate media about Yoel Roth. And hand-wringing and crying and he's been doxxed and he's had to move and look man uh, I feel bad nobody should be doxxed it's terrible um, there needs to be accountability for that and I don't think that there ever will be anywhere and people are mad people who like again we could go back and watch the dueling election denials Again, you know, the, the video that Turnco Don made. And he's just completely partisan. And it's wrong. It's wrong on either side to be that kind of partisan. And uh, again, it, between all of them, it's not just that they're political donations between them and all the Twitter employees. It It was a real, you know, they didn't know what to do. I can see that there's tons of confusion in these in these messages. There's no guidance coming. And I wanted to point out, again, Jack was in French Polynesia. How involved was he in the day-to-day -day in those four days or three days in the lead-up where it says right early on that he outsourced a lot of those decisions to Parag, to Vijaya, and to Yoel Roth, who he was in close contact with. So he's getting their perspective and he's getting their take on the whole situation where they're like, we got to ban this guy. We got to ban this guy. He's going to get somebody killed. This is they're screaming and they're fear mongering the hell out of this guy. And he's on vacation with his family in French Polynesia. You think he really like he's plugged into what's happening? I just don't. I don't. Not only that, but he's also the CEO of another company that's on the Fortune 500. Oh, yeah, there's that, too. Anyway. Uh, I did want to get back to, unless you had something that you wanted to add about part four, we can get to part five. Mm -mm. Cool. Yep. So this is specifically about the removal of Trump. So on the morning of January 8th, Donald Trump with one, with his one remaining strike, as he knows, I think he doesn't even know that he's got one left, but before being at risk of permanent suspension, tweets twice. The first one, there you go. 6.46 a.m. Brief. What is that? 70, 75 million? Yep. 
the 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, America first, and make America great again, will have a giant voice, huge voice, long into the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. All right. To me, he's just a New Jersey car salesman. So that's oh. the voice I go with. Yeah. You know? That's that's pretty good. Got a nice car, no down payment. <laughs> like, you know. Like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right? Like. So, and here's the other one. It's 744. Falls off the fucking hubcaps. Yep. <laughs> on the fucking... 90 day like, warranty anyway. on every car on the line. <laughs> yeah. So 90 day. So at seven, generous. At 744 a.m. <laughs> he he then tweets his his final tweet. Oh, it sounds like yep. Yeah. <sighs> to all of those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. Now again, 600,000 likes, 100,000 quote tweets, 76,000 retweets. For years Twitter had resisted cool calls tell me. both internal and external to ban Trump on the grounds that <laughs> blocking a world leader from the platform or removing their controversial tweets would hide important information that people should be able to see and debate. We just talked about that. People right? have told me that's bad. We, we, we grabbed the policy. But after January 6th, as Taibbi and Schellenberger have documented pressure grew both inside and outside Twitter to ban him, there were dissenters inside Twitter. Here's someone who says, maybe because oh, I'm from no. China, I deeply understand China. how censorship can destroy the public conversation. Yep. Okay. And here's someone trying to allay that fear. I understand this, but I think it's important to understand that censorship by a government is very different than censorship of the government. First Amendment of the U.S. and similar legislation in other countries with similar concepts exist specifically to prevent the government from silencing the people. What I about other that. governments? Right. <laughs> well, that's enough. <laughs> Our government using Twitter to silence other governments on top of that. No, don't talk about that. Don't ask Argentinian no. why, why, why they have all those German last names either. I respect that, yeah. but realistically, we impose far rules. Well, that don't forget Italian. On effectively everyone else on the platform. Okay, so we start looking at this and... Voices like that one appear to have been a distinct minority within the company. Across Slack channels, many Twitter employees were upset that Trump hadn't been banned earlier. After January mm. 6th, Twitter employees organized to demand their employer ban Trump. There's a lot of employee advocacy happening, said one Twitter employee. Right. So uh, I'm still struggling to understand, to understand the decision not to ban him. I think it'll lead to getting people killed. This is okay. This is the elephant in the there room. He's inciting violence. These are all, right. All these different conversations. And like somebody said, uh, is there a channel where we can share these concerns? So they, they put this weird acronym channel. I'm Jack AMA is the channel name. Dude, I believe. Bad to move. Right. Uh, I understand he was our president and that he may may have been the reason why we were hesitant to do it. But come January 20th, there's absolutely no excuse why his account shouldn't be suspended for good. I have friends with a K, you know, with a thousand followers that have been suspended for less. I'm sure is what that person said. So, again, we have to do I'm, the right not thing. Wrong there. Well, no, we have to do the right thing and ban this account. It's pretty obvious he's going to try to thread the needle of incitement without violating the rules. Right. 
And this person like re repeats, like like stuttering. Okay, we don't. But here, somebody says we don't have a good track record of acting on his account, except in the clearest and most explicit case of cases. And even then, I said, yeah, ordinary, extraordinary circumstances demand extraordinary leadership. No, they you want to to demand extraordinary censorship. It took three years, but I've lost faith. Actual votes. Somebody had to remind them that the man had 74,000 votes. Yep. Okay. Second, this is pretty obvious. He's going to try to thread the needle without violating. <clears throat> so in the early afternoon, WAPO publishes an open letter signed by over 300 Twitter employees to Jack, Dor to Jack Dorsey demanding Trump's ban. How they were able to quick that quickly get that many employees to call the Washington Post and agree to sign on to this petition. Wow. Um, but Twitter staff assigned the Twitter staff assigned to evaluate tweets quickly concluded that Trump had not violated Twitter's policies. I want to make that clear again. Trump had not violated Twitter's policies. Quote, I think we'd have a hard time saying this is incitement. <laughs> Here's another one saying it's pretty clear that he's saying the American patriots are the ones who voted for him and not the terrorists from Wednesday. We can call them that, right? Uh, whatever, they're rioters, all right? I see that so-and-so has pinged us to ask about incitement, and here's what they're saying in, in there. What PC could it be trying to incite fear about? I don't see it. What PC could it be? So I think we'd have a hard time. It's pretty clear he's saying the American, okay? So I don't see the incitement angle here. Annika Navaroli, who's a Twitter policy official, Interesting that she's defending Trump and they put her name out and they read they redact everybody else's names except Roth and a couple others that are public. Um, I'll respond in the elections channel and say that our team has assessed and found no violations for the Donald Trump one. Right? Flagging that Yoel is looking for assessment of the Trump tweet, of course. Yoel Yoel just is hot to ban this guy. He gotta get him out. She does just that and as an FYI. So here's the post from her into that select channel she promised to, to notify. For months, I had been begging and anticipating and attempting to raise the reality that if nothing, we made no intervention into what I saw coming, that people were going to die. Which I guess they're, they're saying Ashley Babbitt, maybe. You know, the, there's a narrative around a couple of cops. <clears throat> um yeah. Ashley Babbitt was definitely killed, but by whom still is a good question. Next, Twitter safety team decides that Trump's 744 in the morning tweet is also not in violation. No clear bio. Just to say he's not attending the inauguration. Well, as other people are going to say, but to understand their decision on Trump, we must consider how they deal with other heads of state and political leaders, including Iran, Nigeria, and Ethiopia. This is also really interesting. And Russia. Well, we're going to talk about Russia later on because she makes a reference to a Russian person that is not the leader of Russia. <clears throat> really gives mm. herself a big reveal in my mind. But in June of 2018, the Ayatollah Khomeini in, in Iran tweeted, Israel is a malignant cancerous tumor on the West Asian region that has to be removed and eradicated. It is possible and it will happen. He tweeted that. That, Twitter, that tweet is still up today. Twitter neither deleted the tweet nor banned the Ayatollah. That seems yeah, to be Charles way like a wizard. That seems to be way, He's way more incitement vibe. than Trump's tweet. 
in October of 2020. Like the former Malaysian like... prime minister said it was a right for Muslims to millions of French people. Seriously. Twitter deleted his, his tweet for glorifying violence, but he remains on the platform. The tweet below was taken from the Wayback Machine. And then, of course, we've got Mohamedou Buhari, who's the president of Nigeria. He incited violence against pro-Biafra groups. Those of us in the fields for 30 months who went through war, he wrote, will treat them in a language they understand. Twitter deleted the tweet, but didn't ban Buhari. And here in October of 2021, Twitter allowed Ethiopian Prime Minister Abi Ahmed to call on citizens to take up arms against the Tigray region. Twitter allowed the tweet yep. to remain up and did not ban the prime minister. So now you've got like all policy all over the place. In early February 2021, Narendra Modi's government threatened in India to arrest Twitter employees um, and to incarcerate them for up to seven years after they restored hundreds of accounts that have been critical of him. Twitter didn't ban Modi either. Twitter executives did ban Trump, even though key staffers said that Trump had not incited violence, even in a coded way. Less than 90 minutes. In that, hmm? huh? I was just going to say that terrifying demon Vijaya. Down there. <laughs> right? Less than 90 minutes yeah. after Twitter employees had determined that Trump's tweets were not in violation of Twitter policy, Vijaya asked whether or not it could, in fact, be coded incitement. To further violence. And here we go. Now she's really trying to interpret every single word and, and the meaning of every single word this guy is using. Even if it's him even tweeting it himself. All right. So, yeah, use of the term American patriots and they will not be disrespected. This is an interesting question. I'm going to speak with my team ASAP to see if we can run a quick survey and get reactions to the language contained in the tweet and get back to you. She's very, very corporate. Um, you know, very PC and wants to run this everything through a committee and cover her butt, but at the same time, narrative manage with protection. All right, a few minutes later, Twitter employees on the scaled enforcement team suggest that Trump's tweet may have violated Twitter's glorification of violence policy if you interpreted the phrase American patriots to refer to the rioters. This is where it starts to get tricky. Right. Just in case scale tips the balance and that becomes a decision, I think it would be helpful to have a write-up of what a violation assessment could look like. Things escalate from there. Members of that team came to view him as the leader of a terrorist group responsible for the violence and deaths comparable to the Christchurch shooter or Hitler. And on that basis, Jesus. on the totality of his tweets, he should be deplatformed. Two hours later, Twitter executives host a 30-minute all-staff meeting. Jack and Vijaya answer staff questions as to why Trump's Trump wasn't banned yet, but that only makes some employees angrier. Multiple, Multiple tweets, tweets, well, that's what they call their employees, right, have quoted the banality of evil, suggesting that, a, that people implementing our policies are like Nazis following orders, relays Yoel Roth. To a colleague. Joel mm. Roth. Um, yeah, not cool. Right? Yeah, he says, Candidly, not a lot of people who are close to the decisions would feel safe engaging there. Multiple tweets have quoted the banality of evil, suggesting that people implementing our policies are like Nazis following orders, which, as someone responsible for our policies who had direct family members in Auschwitz, 
is not exactly an environment mm. I want to wade into. So now he's literally using like like anti-Semitism type of of and and I'm a Jew and I would not use that as justification to ban somebody like this. This is ridiculous. Okay. All right. Not mm. exactly an environment I want to wade into. People are angry and want to express themselves. He's angry. But the way the conversation happens can close off meaningful engagement. Yes, agreed. But canceling them on Twitter is not the answer either. Dorsey requested simpler language to explain Trump's suspension. Roth wrote, God help help us. This makes me think he wants to share it publicly. Yes, you have to. We get close to suspension and analysis of 8chan or parlor as part of the decision. Any links to that content would be helpful for us with trusted. If possible, I'd like these services to pay a price here. So now you're trying to punish other websites. All right. So one hour later, Twitter announces Trump's permanent suspension due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Quote, right. Many at Trump at Twitter, of course, were ecstatic. And congratulatory big props to whoever in trust and safety sitting there whack-a-moling these Trump accounts. Because I think I remember that people were setting up fake accounts and new accounts every minute. Mm -hmm. um, can we get one of those awesome cards I've heard about? Like Don Jr.'s account needs to be locked too. Because they figured he'd, he'd grab his son's phone and start tweeting there. By the next day, employees expressed eagerness to tackle the medical misinformation as soon as possible. So they got censor happy. They weren't like hesitant it went the yeah. other direction they they got excited so we absolutely plan to do this in 2021 with the timeline being quote as soon as possible COVID is one specific disease medical misinformation is a much broader category of harmful content we've laid out a lot of the groundwork for policy and product behavior through our work on COVID and the election the misinfo policy in the terms and, and, and services uh, along with Folks in the health experience, TWS research, and other teams across the company are now focused on getting a place of improved maturity in how our policies are actualized. We'll have more to share on this soon. Very excitedly. Sensors. Now, this, which is kind of interesting, I seem to recall that there was like, maybe it was in 2022, but there was a, a bunch of people starting Facebook groups or Twitter thread, DM threads. And they were calling themselves the anti-vax hunters. I'm wondering if this and they have anything to do with each other. For the longest time, Twitter's stance was that we aren't the arbiter of truth for another employee, which I respected, but never gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling. Even for COVID, we only covered a narrow category of information as an example an example is take vitamin C, vitamin D, elderberry, and xytol, which you see daily to reduce COVID risk. Good information, creative marketing, or misinformation. Personally, I'm not sure, and I suspect there are views on both sides. But to block it, Twitter's COO, who would later succeed Dorsey as CEO, told head of security, Mudge Zatko, what a great name, I think few of us should brainstorm the ripple effects of Trump's ban. And she added, Centralized content moderation, IMO, has reached a breaking point now. Yes, but what's what they're talking about again is now creating like a censorship team that's now looking at this stuff regularly. Now, outside the United States, 
this is what really pisses me off, Twitter's decision to ban Trump raised alarms, including with French President Emmanuel Macron, German Prime Minister Angela Merkel, and Mexico's President AMLO. Macron told an audience he didn't want to live in a democracy where the key decisions were made by private players. I agree with the neolib there. Quote, I want it to be decided by a law voted by your representative or by regulation, government, governance, democratically discussed and approved by democratic leaders. That's tweet number 39. Amen. Right? And this is, leaders. this is what we Macron. talked about. This is what we talked about in the, in, in the first um, story, tying this all back, which is in the control over narrative in the, uh, the shadow governance uh, of private ent enterprise that is superseding the laws that we put in place in our country. And they're just arbitrarily yes, implementing their own laws. Yes. Now, here's what really pisses me off is in tweet 40. Merkel's spokesman called Twitter's decision to ban Trump from its platform problematic and added the freedom of mm. opinion is elementary significance. And that's fine. The next sentence is really problematic. Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny criticized the ban as unacceptable act of censorship. I don't give a flying fuck what Alexei Navalny says, and the fact that you included him is insulting and cheapens this entire thread and this entire investigation and this entire reporting, Barry Weiss. Disgusting. Disgusting. He's a CIA plant. Disgusting. You completely made this political, and I'm disgusted. Yes. Yeah, but it's wait. opposition. But wait. Opposition leader. He's not an opposition leader. He's nobody. He's a CIA agent. He, who who, made, who yes. said he who said he was an opposition leader other than the Western press? Nobody. Yes. Now, whether you agree with Navalny or Macron, now you're literally equating him with a world leader who's been elected by population. Are you kidding me? Or the executives of Twitter, we hope this latest installment of the Twitter files gave you insight into that unprecedented decision. Barry Weiss, gross. Ew. Okay? Now, the rest of the reporting is great, but that really just... What are you doing? What are you doing? Get this guy out of the Twitter files. He has no business. He, he's not a world leader. His opinion doesn't matter. And he has no influence on anything having to do with policy anywhere in the world. So I don't want to hear from him. Everyone else that you mentioned, they had effect on policy. Alexei Navalny did not. On top of that, yeah, it's just dirty. The whole thing is dirty. From the outset, our goal in investigating the story was to discover and document the steps leading up to the banning of Trump and to put that choice into context, which that's nice for you. It, I don't really, you know, that's only one part of the story. Ultimately, the concerns about Twitter's efforts to censor news about Hunter Biden's laptop, blacklist disfavored views, ban a president, aren't about the past choices of executives in a social media company. They're about the power of a handful of people at a private company to influence the public discourse and democracy. This was reported by Michael Schellenberger, Isaac Rastein, Snoozy Weiss, which I don't know if that's Barry Weiss or not, Olivia Reingold, Peter Zavodnik, Nellie Bowles, follow all their work at the Free Press. And that's a substack also. Um, I, I agree with a lot of it. I'm allowed to disagree with some of it. And the mention of Navalny is completely suspect. Bro, if you, if you disagree with any of it, you're anti-Semitic now. That's Apparently, yes. Thank, thank you, Yipper, for, for calling me an anti-Semite. Yes, the, the Jew on Hanukkah calling out Barry Weiss is an anti-Semite. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm a self-hating Jew. I know. Yep. That's what they call me. 
I'm not an anti-Semite. I'm a self-hating Jew. Come on, get the terminology right. Um, mm. And that is uh, my... Okay, see, I went a little bit long, but not too bad. TED Talk? That's my, that's my TED Talk for tonight. Uh, Barry pugging her substack <laughs> at the end of his classes. Actually, it's, it is and it's not, because that's kind of what that Taibi's done. That's where he's publicly. Yeah, but that would have got her banned off Twitter 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Substack yeah. wasn't included in the ban. It's just that it was. Find me on Truth Social. It definitely would have. But um, yeah, yeah. Cancel Indy. That's it. Yep, I know. Yep, I'm canceled. Cancel. I I'll, I'll accept that. Um, yeah, not opposition op. Um, DJ Comatose. Yes, I maybe um, to a point. I still think that. Part of this is to absolve his company and to move forward and purge all the people who weren't and kind of mea culpa, whatever they have done and try to move forward. I think part of it is mm -hmm. self-serving in his own interests, 100%. Um, Oz, welcome to the show. Glad you were here for this. Eric T. Red, thank you. Orwellian, someone should tell these shitlibs to read a book. 100%. Okay. And this is the One, thing that really 100%. just... 100 100 200%, percent Dan, your shit really just uh, completely took 100%. over here. Um, and, and it's not cool. It's not cool. Um, it's snowing it's in Re-Studio. Cool, yes, it is. Colin, Care Bears in the you house. Burned down my houseboat. That's not cool. New Jersey car salesman. Well, I know a few of those. Um, and you know what? Don't denigrate my New Jersey car salesman because those are some of my favorite people on this planet. Um, yeah, Twitter files revealing the underbelly of a dictatorship of the PMC bourgeoisie. As technocratic and bureaucratic as you'd expect, every bit as effective in any tin pot as any tin pot iron fist. Hell yeah, dude.com. That's a, that's a great comment. Uh, let me put that up there. Boom. Okay, that's a good one. Um, every time I hear Yoel, I do not think Roth. I think Romero. You know? Yep. This is me. What does 8chan have to do with Twitter? Fucking... Nothing. Absolutely not. That's right. Because what ha what their claim, and this is the shitlib mentality, what? is that things filter down from 8chan and 4chan to Daily Stormer to this thing to the blogs to Reddit What's up, to Twitter. This is kind of how it makes it down down the funnel. Um need to process at minimum, absolutely. All right. And and Kelly M, I'll be unsurprised when Elon drags this cesspool full of shitlib sock puppets through the mud, ruins the platform completely, and then uses socialist bankruptcy to get all his money back. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And and by the way, I signed up for I had signed up for Mastodon account back in um for March, in March. And it um so I went back over there and I checked out who's on and it's literally like who it's suggesting. I downloaded the app and it's George Takai. Yep. Oh my. Oh my. And Robert yeah. Reich. And and every and like Ukrainian every headshot. Shit live, every shit live. Fucking monthly or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's um, it's brutal. So if I if I go to, to, to the, the search there and then I go over to the for you. Just and, don't. All right. No, just yeah, don't do it, that. It, it's yeah, don't do that. It's pretty bad. Yeah, that's hot. Neil Gaiman. Don't do that. Is bad. All right, Taylor Lorenz. Of course, she's on there, and she's got a hundred and twenty-two thousand followers on Mastodon already. Would you believe? Mm. Right. I, I don't Gaiman know what we're doing what wrong. Again? Not 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 Neil Diamond. Neil Gaiman. 
Uh, I know. What did he write again? I don't know. He's he's a super shitwood bro. Jay Rosen. I said it right. Journalism teacher at NYU. You've got tons of Kasim Rashid. Everyone. I mean, they, they've all managed to find a home over here. It's not CIA infiltrated. It's an open source platform that anybody can use and anybody can create an iteration of. People were actually talking about a Mastodon.inn. Neil Gaiman. You know, making, oh, okay. You're making an INN extension i somebody's been talking about making a you know a, an inn tld extension like like a domain so indy left american that gods is gaiman reefer after dark that inn man that's that's pretty good stuff Sandman's good yep. yeah saying barry weiss is anti-semitic that's hilarious yeah. that, that she's that's saying ew to her because it's gross Coraline. Right. steve Biko's birthday Biko. happy birthday to steve Biko. um yeah, I prefer was, Terry Pratchett. He didn't have to end it with a link tweet. I think that Matt actually did end his with a link tweet to PK News. Um, and look, this is how she makes her money. And she's going to publish the stuff there, the analysis of the Twitter files there. I think Schellenberger also publishes at the Free Press. Um, I didn't have a problem with her promoting her Substack because I shamelessly promote a Substack. So. I would be a raging hypocrite if I did that. Um, Are we on a third Substack? Nope. Nope. We're going to boats. Nope. We're going to boats. God, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> it's hour forty-five. They've suffered long enough. Yay! So, boats. Since we did mention the merch shop, um, I did some work this week and made some new merch. Um, mm. So, if somebody is inclined to buy a present for someone with a baby. I made this kick-ass, how do we miss that, onesie. And on the other side, it says, Indie Left News. So they can dump all over our news. That's right. That's right. The babies can dump Indie all over left our news. And you left that nudes. What? Oh, okay. No, no, that's the wrong one. Um, a purple hoodie. I really like the way this came out, but I just hope that it's not blurry like on the hoodie itself. Because I put in pretty high-risk yeah. stuff, but it looked good. Um, and then, of course, this I really think came out awesome, which is a, a an embroidered beanie, um, just twenty five ninety nine. I thought it was twenty three ninety nine, but I made it as cheap as possible so that it was like the minimum amount of profit, uh, that without getting zero for it. Um, yeah, kick ass. I like this beanie. I'm a beanie guy, so uh, I might have to order one of those. And my kids got how do we miss that shirts. By the way, uh, all three of them mm. for, for Hanukkah. Uh, I got. I got to get a, one of those adult onesies. There's a kid size T-shirt of that here. Mm. It's uh here the kids nice. premium tee, which was twenty one ninety nine, folks. That's the premium tee, so it's nice. And uh, I got two, and I got medium, and one in us. Maybe all three of medium. This is the water bottle. We got we got some nice stuff over here. Head out, head out to indie, independentleft.shop. That's the URL, independentleft.shop. And it's also linked on the link tree, which Elon, I hope you don't ban me for that, but you even have the crop the, the crop hoodie. Indie Left News. And then we have, uh, I, I made a couple of How Do We Miss That things, and I made a couple of Indie Media Today sweatshirts and things. Uh, the, I got more logos and more stuff. I didn't make anything things for the Indie stuff, Media Awards yet. 
I didn't make mm. any stuff for the Indie Media Awards. There's still Bongfather merch is all in here in red and in I blue. I'm once again asking for your financial support. No, no. Uh, Reef, I, I think I might pay money to see Reef in an adult onesie, honestly. That, that, that might be worth something. Sure. Um, there's with, also a with nice pillow. Flat? You can get an Indie Left News pillow. Like that. Body pillow? No, it's a square. Uh, and then, mm. anybody want some Bongfather socks in black? You get those too. Crew or yep. cut socks. And then you got your mugs and your pint glass. We got we got a bunch of merch, folks. So come come check it out. Independentleft.shop. Independentleft.shop. The hoes be knowing. Oh well. Oh now you calling me Jake Uger now because I'm plugging the shop. What? What? Wow. Who are these people? Yes, thank you, Joe. Well, I mean... Who are these people? I was tired of paying for weed. Mm -hmm. So, that is our show for this evening. Um, this week, I don't know, what do we have going on? Uh, I don't know if Jesse's doing a show. Well, it looks like those snowflakes are going literally right on your face and you're getting like the little twinkles on your on your pacha matcha. Um <laughs> oh my pacha pacha that's right Fucking God I, don't, damn. I don't know if Jesse's going to be doing a, a show this week but Jesse is going to be dropping a new album um, on Christmas Eve very excited he's dropped a couple tracks already from it so I can't wait to Jesse see Jet's that Christmas? Jesse Jet no that's Emmett Otter who has the junk bag <laughs> it's not Jesse Jet so uh what else is happening? Um, the time is here again. Well, you're going to have another Eye in the News Wednesday. We are taking off yeah, next probably. Sunday night for Christmas. I don't know if we're going to take off for New Year's. We're going to take off the week after that. We may just take a three-week break. I'm not sure. Or we're going to do one in between and just take one week on, one week off, one week on, one week off. Um, stay tuned and subscribe to the Substack. We'll let you know. IndieMedia.today, Substack. All right, everybody. Uh, yep. I'm going to say, question. keep questioning everybody's motivations, and uh, I'll let Reef. Keep listening to what little birds had to tell you. Bye, have a great time. I think I liked it better being blind When I couldn't read between the lines when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure that lay bare before me the whole time I think I liked it better back when I Suspended disbelief and swallowed pride I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue But they both bleed us so dry They both bleed us so dry My favorite songs don't hit the same way I get to the end of a four-minute track and I'm only looking back thinking, what did they actually say? <laughs>